Hey, video game fans, I'm Ben Bertoli. And I'm Bush Dustin. And this is Memory Card. I'm really excited to record this week's episode. We're finally going to be discussing the obscure but fan-favorite character, Mario Mario. Like the Mario? Yeah. What are you talking about? Uh, I think Nintendo made him. It's, it's a company. Mario's not obscure. He's been voted like the most popular video game character of all time. I feel like there's that whole rumor that everyone knows Mario more than they know Mickey Mouse, who is also extremely popular. Yeah, but did you know that he wears brown shoes and has a red hat? Yeah, I think everyone knows that. Oh, well, um, did you know in the late in the late 1980s, he tried going for his master's in physics, but ended up dropping out of school to support his late grandma, Gamario Mario? I feel like you're just making that up. So uh, today I will be talking about kind of obscure Mario spinoff titles. And the first title that I really, really want to talk about, and I've been dying to talk about this title, is Mario no Photopi. I don't think I know that one. Yeah, a lot of people don't know this one because it's a, it's a Japanese-exclusive N64 game. Hmm. And it's, it didn't sell well at all. Um, it's very hard to find, even in Japan. I, I think like Nintendo just kind of released it and then kind of just brushed it around really quickly. What's the name of it again? Mario no Photopi. I hear the word photo in there. Is it is it is there cameras involved? Exactly. There there's cameras and, and um lots of goodies involved with it. Hmm. So it originally started out on the N64 disk drive as a as a project for that. And then because of the disk drive's failure and everything, it was later ported to just a normal N64 card. <laughs> I feel like that's the origin story for like half of the <laughs> games we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, N64DD just had so many games in development hell that, like... Yeah, so much potential. So much potential, but then they were just like, okay, we have to re- rework everything. <laughs> and, and and that's exactly the case with Mario no Photopi. The card comes with a smart media card reader on top of it, mm-hmm. which allows players to import images that they've taken from a digital camera. But there's actually two slots on, on the top. Oh. There's one for your camera, and then there's another one for an expansion, Smart Media, which I'll, I'll talk about in a, in a second. Do you remember Smart Media at all? No, not really. Okay, so it's like um, it's like an SD card kind of gig, where it was made by Toshiba, and it um, the capacity ranged from 2 megabytes to 128 megabytes. Hmm. They're no longer manufactured, so it can be kind of hard to yeah. just find them in general, but a lot of cameras, especially in Japan, supported the Smart Media format back in the day. So what made it so smart? It, it was it was compact for the time. It could fit enough data that could fit you know several you know pictures, especially with older cameras. They weren't taking you know high quality pictures then. Okay, that sounds that sounds pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. So Mario no Photopi was a project that was developed by Nintendo. Toshiba was slightly involved with it, and um, Electron, uh, which is a, another Japanese company. Hmm. And um, so you had a lot of hands in the pot. Nintendo just basically lent out their characters and, like, I think helped maybe help develop the cards, the technology for the cards. It sounds kind of like a CDI thing. Yeah. Hey, you want to use our characters? Yeah, sure. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> so the game finally went on sale on um, December 2nd, 1998, and it was sold for 9,800 yen, and um, which is more expensive than our normal N64 card because they usually retail for like 6,000 yen right. at that time. 
and that's like sixty dollars normally and almost a hundred dollars yeah almost a hundred dollars yeah. almost a hundred dollars for this photo software hmm. basically when players would put it in to the n64 they'd be able to import images that they've taken on their digital camera from their smart media devices have basic like photo editing tools in it like they could paint over it they could draw on it they could um, crop out images and eventually they would be able to export those images back to the smart media device where they could send it to Electron in order to get it printed. Oh, so you could like take it off your camera onto your Nintendo 64, edit it, add all the fun stuff, put it back on your camera, and then send it off to get printed out. Yeah. Wow. And uh, there's actually two different photo printing services that were supported by it. There's the FDI uh, service, which is made by Fujifilm, and then the Photopia print service, which was made by Electron. Could you go into Blockbuster Video and print out little stickers? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me of uh, the whole Pokemon Snap gig. Mm -hmm. But the game starts off with Mario in front of a bunch of different doors, and each of the doors are just different rooms. There's one room where they can import the pictures, another room where they can showcase all the pictures, which is basically like a slideshow. There's another one where they could play a game, but the game is just like a taking your pictures and then making a puzzle out of them and then like trying to put the puzzle back together. Hmm. And the last room is where you can actually export the pictures back to the smart media database. So you said that it's like Mario standing in front of doors, right? Yeah. Is it the like 3D Mario from Mario 64? Yeah, it's like 3D Mario. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was just like, you know, clip art of him or an actual like controlled Mario. But speaking of clip art, that's, that's where the really, really interesting and really obscure part of this comes in is that the game actually features a lot of clip art from like Mario 64, mm -hmm. um, like official art from Mario 64 and, and various other games that really haven't been seen before. Oh, You could actually, um, with the second smart media input, you could actually add in packs and that would um, allow you to import different sets of clip arts and stuff like that. Oh, so like bonus, like DLC. Yeah, and, and um, they, they sold these for like, I think about 2,000 yen each. Hmm. on um you'd get like a smart media device with like 30 pictures on it and a lot of these are not documented at all oh in researching for this episode i spent like maybe five hours just looking for <laughs> confirmation that some of these actually existed because um they they don't ever pop up on um auction sites or, or anything like that so they're just going for private collector or private collector so are the pictures like weird or are they just like high def images that you don't really see anywhere else so um, there's different character packs. There's one that's um, called uh, Shilfinia Family, I think is is the name of it. It's like a, a anthropomorphic animal figurine that's this made out of plastic, and it's just like a high bunch of not high definition because it wasn't really high definition back then, but like high quality art of 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 those figurines and stuff like that. So not Nintendo characters. No, they they also did have Nintendo characters. So there's Bomberman. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Bomberman's Hudson, but um, Bomberman. The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time received a pack. And Yoshi's Story also got their pack. There's also a Hello Kitty pack, which I, I could not find any information on. And there's also a Postcard 1 and Funny Accessories 1 packs that went on sale, but I've never been able to find like if they actually ever released a second or third one of those. And do you know if they were compatible with like any other smart card device? Or was it solely for the Nintendo 64 for this, you know, specific game? The actual box that they um, had had them in would it said like Mario no Photopea, and it said that you know they're compatible with that. But 
I would imagine that they're just images. Right. But um, uh, Hagiwara was the one that was responsible for selling these uh, packs and stuff like that. They're based in Nagoya, but they haven't really done any like video games. So they're more of uh, in the media and, and camera business. So it sounds like a lot of people like came together to make this one thing. Yeah, and then like... It didn't do so hot. Yeah, it didn't do, it <laughs> didn't do well at all. And then I think it just quickly ended because it, it was too expensive. Almost $100 just for the, the actual printing thing. And then you had to pay another $20 for extra 30 images. It kind of reminds me of the, the Nintendo 64 DD series the mario artist games where you can like manipulate things but that seemed to have more like creativity involved and less about importing things although you could import game boy camera pictures Mm -hmm. into that but (laughs) the quality of those is really lacking yeah it's like what it's like one megapixel yeah it's really (laughs) it's down there so with mario artists nintendo developed that software in order to like all work together this was just like a printing service software basically Right. And they slapped Mario's name on it. They slapped Mario's name on it and then released it and then just kind of like, oh, it didn't didn't do so well. Okay, just forget about it. (laughs) I guess we're not bringing that one to the States. Yeah. And like uh, you could print out the stuff at um, photo stores. So you'd bring your smart media device there. And then like, I think like a month later, you'd be able to print out like postcards or like name tags, stuff like that. Hmm. The the website for Mario no Photopi is actually still up. Wow. The official Japanese website, Nintendo Co. Limited. They're pretty good about keeping their old websites up. Yeah, I've noticed that. Well we'll have to we'll have to link it in the save file for this episode. Yeah. It has excellent example images of, of that you could make of invites, you know, for your friends. Not your friends, but your, your child's friends, play dates or whatever. Right. Birthday parties. Birthday parties and stuff like that. Funerals, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the works. <laughs> and there's also one other series, Himitsu no Akko-chan. Also got like a character pack for the Mario no Photopi. And what is that? It's a it's an anime. Well, it's a manga that started in the 1960s. It's a magical girl series. Those are always pretty I, popular. I actually haven't been able to find images of the box or images that they used in in those uh, smart media devices anywhere online. So how do you know it exists? Exactly. Like, it, it's so hard to find. <laughs> it might not. <laughs> At this point, it's just a rumor. And it's crazy. I feel like it's just insane that things like that did exist, but now are so completely like out of the spotlight that people don't even have like any pictures of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's why the Video Game History Foundation, they're always like digging up new stuff. And then it's like, wait, <laughs> you know, this game never came out, but Here's all this art. Here's, you know, this whole ROM that we found. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's crazy how much stuff gets forgotten and how much stuff is never brought to light. This wasn't this isn't that old. It's, it's 1998. Right. One issue is uh, because it's uh, smart media devices, they have the um, the potential, like a lot of, of other um, parts and floppy disks and stuff like that, it, uh, the data to just to disappear or to be unreadable. Mm. There's actually a, one video that I saw that where someone was trying to load up the information from um, the Bomberman pack, and they just had no data on it. Oh, gosh. Even if you, you know, buy these packs or, or smart media devices, uh, smart me- media cards off of auction sites, there's there's potential that they're just useless. Yeah, that's terrifying. Yeah. So um, make sure you always uh, extract your data and keep a backup. 
And if you don't know how to do that, then I'm sure there's lots of people online who are willing to help you preserve stuff. Welcome to Memory Card, where we don't know how to do that, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we realize the importance of it. That's right. That's the, that's, the, that's the thing. We're spreading the word. Yeah. Hey, listeners. We're putting this episode on pause for a bit to talk about how you can support Memory Card. Don't you dare hit that skip ahead button. We promise this won't take too long. If you enjoy the show, the easiest way to support us is by simply spreading the word. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your followers. Tell that weird guy at 7-Eleven. Hey, listen! If you're less of a social butterfly, you can always leave a positive review. Or you can follow us on Twitter at MemCardShow. You can take your support to the next level by joining our community on Patreon. Memory Card patrons receive perks like early ad-free episodes, shoutouts, and early access to bonus content in our Save Files archive. Every little bit helps, so we hope you'll consider pledging a dollar or two. You can find out more on patreon.com slash memcard. That's patreon.com slash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. And now, back to the show. Well, uh, the next title that I will be talking about is um, Mario Teaches Typing. No way. Yeah. I, I remember that one from back in the day. Did you play that uh, as a kid? Yeah, Mario and uh, Mavis Beacon were the were my two typing teachers. Oh yeah. Of course, now I I, I type like uh like a raptor with two fingers on each hand. <laughs> so, <laughs> like you know, it, I guess it didn't work that well. But I really liked uh, you know playing the games. I don't really remember that much about Mario teaches typing besides the fact that like you know you typed and he would jump and like hit blocks and jump on turtles and things. Yeah. Koopas, I should say. But break it down. I don't. I want to hear the background on that game. So Mario teaches typing was uh, developed and published published by Interplay Productions. And uh, Interplay Productions is a company that was founded by Brian Fargo in uh, 1983. They're actually um, responsible for Fallout and uh, Earthworm Jim. By the way, Brian Fargo is uh, the heir to the Fargo family, you know, like the, the bank. Oh, wow. He's got that money. He's got the money. He's got that money. He's got that Mario teaches typing money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They also worked on uh, uh, The Bard's Tale. I've heard of it, but I couldn't tell you what it is. Early 1990s, they, they go ahead and get that Mario license from Nintendo. And they do a bunch of different games, actually, with the Mario license. And I'll be talking about three of them. Ooh. The first one is Mario Teaches Typing. And that was originally released on floppies, floppy disks. And then later, eventually, on a CD-ROM. Mm-hmm. The game featured like music that was sampled from like super mario world and everything and like you said it's, it's a game to help help people with learning how to type and it w- it was inspired by um uh, mavis beacon teaches typing and you know i just i feel like recently i i learned that mavis beacon is not a real person yeah <laughs> <laughs> they just made her up because they were like hey we want a strong female on the front of our box to sell our typing program and i was like what yeah she was my hero along with mario the Mario Teaches Typing is the first uh, instance of a Mario game where Mario actually speaks. But it wasn't his normal voice actor, right? No, it was uh, this guy named Ronald B. Rubin. Hmm. Did he sound like Mario? I didn't know if he was going for more of that, like, Brooklyn, you know, like, I'm from New York, that kind of thing, or what? Welcome to Mario Teaches Typing! In the game, like, um, Mario comes across a magical typewriter... And um, because he's such a terrible typist, the uh, magical typewriter just explodes (laughs) and goes into like multiple pieces. And Mario and Luigi have to like find the magical typewriter pieces so they can put it back together. 
and eventually destroy Bowser's castle. Wow. This is all official canon, right, in Mario? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that he's really bad at typing. Yeah. <laughs> it's because he won't take off his gloves. Mario Teaches Typing 2, though, is the sequel to Mario Teaches Typing. What? Yeah, it's pretty much just the, the, same, the first game, but just, like, improved in every way possible. So it has, like, a slightly redraw- redrawn graphics. Hmm. It has that 3D floating Mario head face that has become, like, a meme. Mario Teaches Typing 2, was it a reskin of a Japanese game called Typey Typey Panic or anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, Mario Teaches Typing 2 was not ever released in Japan. Was Mario Teaches Typing 1? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Mario Teaches Typing 1 uh, released in 1992. It was released in, in Japan. And then um, Mario Teaches Typing 2 was only in America. We're not going to get into the complexity of uh, Japanese keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> how they differ from English keyboards. Basically, yeah, Mario and Luigi, they go and try to find this magical typewriter. And then um, they just destroy Bowser's castle. <laughs> That's it. Like they don't even like fight like Bowser or anything like that. Like Toad doesn't make an appearance in in the game, mm. and they just you know bleed, destroy everything. With what? With the power of a typewriter, or yeah, the the typewriter just falls from the a giant typewriter falls from the sky and and destroys Bowser's castle and kills everything inside. <laughs> Wait, does it really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're making that up. <laughs> no, no, uh, that is that's canon. <laughs> The game has like wonderful art, which I was like tweeting out recently. <laughs> wonderful, like so bad it's good type of art. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's actually two more uh, titles, and um, one of them is Super Mario Bros. and Friends When I Grow Up. And then the last one is Mario's Game Gallery, which is probably the reason why we don't have any more of these titles. <laughs> that, that bad, huh? Yeah, that bad. Oh. The first one, uh, Super Mario Friends, uh, Super Mario Bros. and Friends When I Grow Up is another computer game featuring Mario, and it was um, published by uh, Merit Software. And it's basically a digital like coloring book. It has uh, illustrations by Rick Insorori, Um and a few of the pages have uh, actually animations and stuff like that. Wait, is that someone I'm supposed to know? <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay. uh, Rick, I-, I looked into Rick, Rick and um, after this, he's basically done just like Bible books and stuff like that, yeah. Wow, man, he really blew it at the start there. But uh, it actually features like cameo appearances by like Link and like other Nintendo characters. Hmm. It, it it has um basically just a ton of of images featuring the Mario characters in in different professions. Like uh, uh Bowser is uh, a CEO executive in one, or like Luigi is a veterinarian, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> And it's like, when, when you grow up, you can become a vet or a firefighter. Or a fire-breathing turtle who's also <laughs> the COO of Chase Financial. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, the gameplay is just taking colors and putting them into the image and, and coloring it, basically. It's, it's not really. Yeah, I can't imagine it's too uh, in-depth. There's only, like I think, like 16 colors that you can pick from, too. That's more than enough for me because I'm colorblind, but yeah. For other people, it might might not be enough. And then the last game that we'll be talking about is Mario's Game Gallery. Ho oh. ho! It was um, published by Interplay, but um, developed by Presage Software. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it was only released in, in the United States in 1995. Later re-released as Mario Fundamentals. Oh, I oh I see. Emphasis on fun. Yeah, yeah. 
The game is five games, which is our, which are checkers, backgammon, go fish, dominoes, and yacht, which is a version of Yahtzee. Hmm. And you're playing against Mario in all these games. Um, Charles Martinet comes back to do the, the Mario voice. It's so bad. Like the Mario AI is so difficult in the game. Uh, he, he will almost always win. When you're playing Go Fish, Mario has, has a tendency to just go like, here, fishy, 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 fishy. And then he destroys you with his mad Go Fish powers. Yeah. It sounds like a prequel to Clubhouse Games. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking of that. Like, this is where Nintendo got their Clubhouse Games idea. They're like, ooh, we can do that so much better. Yeah. Take that license away. But yeah, basically Nintendo, um, after the game gallery and Mario teaches typing, they Nintendo was like, okay, well... They pulled the plug. They're like, no more Mario. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, an interview with uh, Fargo where he talks about the games and he says... Uh, Miyamoto liked that we were doing and everyone was happy. And then uh, somebody else came out with some other Mario products that weren't so high quality. And they came back and said, no more Mario. You ruined it for everyone. Yeah, but it might be might be Mario's game gallery. I don't, I don't know if, if Fargo is telling the truth there. <laughs> Wasn't there a, a, a little typing game that you could get for the 3DS? I think it might have been only in Japan that was Pokemon themed. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, I've seen that. So maybe, I mean, who knows? They, they got to bring it back. Mario teaches typing three for the switch with you know special keyboard yeah that's what we need so um those are the the mario spinoff titles that i want to talk about today uh, i think you had one that you want to yes complete. yes there was so when we were doing the episode in the last season about game boy accessories i found the game which i talked about which was called mario family mm -hmm. which was like a sewing game it was basically sewing software that yeah. helps you you know embroider mario and and friends onto things and while i was looking for that game i found another game that was like even weirder but didn't really apply so i didn't bring it up and it is called i am a teacher super mario sweater just <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> my favorite mario uh game name of all time it's a really weird title um and it's great because you know in real life i am a teacher and super mario sweater sounds like something i want to wear it came out for the famicom disc system which was much more uh popular than the nintendo 64 disc drive mm -hmm. back in 1986 and it just kind of was like a sewing simulator it helped you like figure out what the patterns would look like and then you could, I think you could like bring it in and it, you could actually get them like made. Oh yeah. I don't know. It was, it was made through the uh, Royal Industries company, which is, uh, I guess, a sewing machine company in Japan. But yeah, that's it. I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, I am a teacher, Super Mario sweater. Who, who doesn't want that? <laughs> the box art for it is great because it's just like a, a sweater with Mario like stitched on it. Like yeah. not, not poorly, but not great. <laughs> Yeah, it's really interesting to to take a look at all, like all these um, Mario titles and stuff like that. And, and there's actually a lot more that we haven't even talked about or or looked into. This might be a part one. Yeah, because in the you know early days of Nintendo, they were really trying to get Mario's name out there. They really had a laissez-faire approach to the Mario license. Computer games, video games. We're gonna have you know TV shows and movies, which that's a whole uh, podcast in itself, I'm sure. Yeah, Mario will live on forever and on all mediums um, but it's kind of good i guess that they've reined him in a little bit
that's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his banging beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting Jamatar.com. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter at MemCardShow or on our website, MemoryCardShow.com. If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be down at SuperBenTendo and Push Dustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting MemoryCard on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, including Jackson Bertoli, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Tyler Davis, Courtney Cotton, Harrison, Taylor, Robert Lawler, and Jose Acosta. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com memcard. We'll be back again soon with some gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you enjoy the show. We'll see you soon.